Welcome to Hello Self. It's a podcast focused on turning your cans into cans and your dreams into plans. I am your host, coach, and author, Patricia Leonard. Hello out there, Hello Self podcast listeners. I am Patricia Leonard, your podcast host, and I am so excited today, and you're going to find out that you're glad you tuned in. And I just want, as I always ask, if you're standing on that corner of lost and you don't have a GPS, that's exactly what this podcast is about, because you know that I believe that every story gives us something if we pay attention, because in every story, there are lots of gifts. Storytelling is something I've always believed in, and now I have the master of storytelling with me today. So we're going to have a good time, and I want you to pay attention to some of the tips and the journeys that my guest has been on, because He, this is the kind of work he's done for years, and I just want to introduce him, and then I'll give you just a brief overview of his bio, and then I'm going to let him take us on his journey, and we'll come in every once in a while and ask a few questions. But Doug Stevenson, my guest, would you, I am so glad to have you here, and oh, wow, it's been a long time. It's been a while. Yeah, thank you for being here. And we just went through a storm, listeners, and Doug was patient enough to hold on. But I want to tell you how I met Doug Stevenson. Years ago, I took a workshop from him on storytelling. I was in International Speakers um, Organization, and I met him through there. And I loved who he was. He's a master of making something boring, very exciting, simply by adding a story. And I believe that art is the way to effective communication. I'm just going to give you a brief of his background. and But I wanted you to know how I met him. He is, uh, he's remarkable. And besides, a very personable kind of professional who has traveled all over the world. Let me just take a few things from his bio. He is the CEO of uh, uh, Story Theater International, and he's in Tucson, Arizona. He is the creator of the Story Theater Method. He's a master storyteller and storytelling in business and life. Look at that book. That's his book right there. And this is something you need to get. Even if you're in corporate America, if you're in the arts, if you're in life, and I hope you are. <laughs> but yes, it's got tips and strategies. And besides that, he's got so many places that you can get more information. He's got a podcast, a storytelling that sticks for business and life. Doug is a professional actor, was a professional actor. And I don't want to steal all his uh, story. But he was in movies from Snoopy to Greece. (laughs) So he's got a lot of background. And one thing that he says, he has been, he had a karate chop from Chuck. 
for us. I love that when I read that. I'm telling you, I'm learning more things about him too. And But he's been in every walk of life on his journey to the story theater and where he is in his life right now. He's an author, as you just saw his book, a storyteller. Real, he was a realtor. I'm sure he'll cover some of these. An actor, as I just told you. He's been in corporate speaking and training events and conferences in four continents and 18 countries besides the USA. He's been a carpenter, a taxi driver. Learn a lot there. You get a lot of stories there. (laughs) And he's just, he's taught leaders how to really lead. And that's one of the things by telling their mission in a story form. So I'm going to let Doug take it from here. And excuse me, I dropped the paper. And I'll pick up every once in a while with some questions, just so we can get more detail of his story. But Doug, tell us where you started and how you got to being this master storyteller. <laughs> Your well, journey. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty fascinating journey that I've been on and been on. And here I am, I'm turning 73 this summer. And I've been doing a lot of reflecting lately on this journey that I've been on and what kind of a life that I've led and and why. Why did I make the choices that I made? What drove me to live such a life of risk and danger and drama? And it all started in Chicago. I was born in Chicago in 1950. And I grew up with one goal. I wanted to be an actor. I never wanted to be anything else other than an actor. I remember watching movies that just really captured my attention. Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy and Jimmy Stewart and the Philadelphia story and Bob Hope and Bing Crosby and the road to Zanzibar. And just I just was fascinated by things going on in the movies and it just captured me. And I not only loved movies like everybody else, I related to the actors. And I don't know why I related to the actors. It's almost like if it was a past life remembrance or something that I felt like, oh, I'm that guy. I'm like that guy. I'm like that Bob Hope guy. I'm like that funny guy. I'm like the sidekick. My dream to be an actor carried me through uh, my entire childhood. I wasn't supported in it in any way by my parents. They didn't send me to acting class and do all that kind of stuff. It was just internal for me, just a belief. At 19, in the summer in between freshman and sophomore years of college, I wanted to look for an acting workshop in Chicago, something that I could do because there wasn't really anything in my high school or my college to support me there. I chose a college that didn't even have a a theater program. I don't know why. But there I was in Chicago. I was 19. It was the summer in between. And I found a Second City improv workshop. Oh, my gosh. I thought Second City, this is a big deal. And I went there. It was a six-week improv course. And I absolutely hated it. I just thought, this is stupid. This is dumb. This isn't acting. They're not giving me a line. They're not giving me any direction. They're just like playing these improv games. And I thought, no, this is not it. In the workshop, I met a woman and we were having a conversation afterwards. And she said, oh, you need to go to the Ted List Theater Workshop. I went to this theater workshop that was more like a New York real theater workshop, method acting and and adults, not just kids my age, but adults, people in their 20s and 30s and 40s, models and actors making a living. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've hit nirvana. This is it. This is the real thing. I never went back to college. 
And I studied there for two and a half years. And I did some of my first theater in Chicago. My first play was The Merchant of Venice, a Shakespeare play. I was Launcelot Gabo, the Shakespeare clown. And it's, oh my gosh, that's what I am. I'm the clown. I'm the comic relief. This is who I am. And, and then I did Grease. My second play was Grease. I was the original Danny Zuko in the original Chicago production of Grease. This was my second play, and I'm like in the hottest ticket in town. New York producers are flying into Chicago to see this show. It was like, oh, my gosh. And I was anyway, I did a lot of theater in Chicago, but I wasn't able to make a living. They weren't shooting movies and TV in Chicago. So I thought, all right, New York or Los Angeles, New York or Los Angeles. I don't want to go to New York. It's just like Chicago, only worse. I grew up in Chicago. It's a city with streets and pavement. It's but Los Angeles. The beaches, the sun, palm trees, women in bikinis. Oh, my gosh. So I decided I needed to go to L.A. if I wanted to pursue my dream of movies, because I was more interested in being in movies and TV than I was on stage. And that would have been New York. So I I hatched this plan. I'm going to go to Los Angeles. I'm going to go to Los Angeles. I know I'm going to go to Los Angeles. But I was driving taxi and studying acting at night, and I wasn't making any money. But I did have a plan. My plan was I'm going to save a thousand bucks. Going to get a thousand bucks. I need some seed money. I'm going to pay off my car. I'm buying my Volkswagen bus from my dad. And and I had this plan. But a year after I had told my friend Susan about this plan, I still hadn't left. And she said. One night after acting class, it's like a midnight act breakfast after acting class. She said, Doug, a year ago, you told me you were going to leave for Los Angeles. You said you're going to th- save $1,000. How are you doing? And I said, I-, I haven't saved any money. She said, have you made any payments on your car to your dad? And I said, no. And she says, what are you doing? When are you going to go? Are you really? Are you serious about going? And I said, yes, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And she says, when? And I said, when is perfect. When I have $1,000. She said, Doug, you said that a year ago. You're never going to go. You're never going to go. Here's what you need to do. Just pick a date, Doug. Just pick a date on the calendar. And on that date, you're going to go. No matter what, you just go. And I guarantee you, if you pick a date and you put it on the calendar, things will start to happen because you'll get serious. Not just, oh, someday. Because someday is not a date, Doug. Someday is not a date. Pick a date. This got me really thinking about, yeah, I, I, I need to have a deadline. I need to pick a date. I did. And on September 15th, I had not saved $1,000. I was not able to pay for the car. I gave the keys back to my dad and said, sorry, I can't buy it from you. But I did have $250 and a duffel bag full of clothes. And I made my way to the entrance to the freeway and I stuck out my thumb. And I hitchhiked to Hollywood. It took me eight days and I was petrified. But within three hours of getting picked up and dropped off and picked up and dropped off, I was out there in the middle of the cornfields in Illinois, and it was like, I am no longer thinking about going to Los Angeles. I'm doing it. And and how did that happen? It happened because I picked a date. Now, many times in my life, I have had to pick a date. When I was in a relationship with someone that was a really lousy relationship, I had to pick a date to break it off, to break up. When things weren't working out with a job, and it was a toxic job and a toxic boss, I had to pick a date to quit. And so many times in my life, I've had to pick a date. Now, how about you listening to this? 
Is there something you want to accomplish in your life? Are you in a toxic relationship, a bad job? Is there a dream that you have that you want to accomplish and keep putting it off for the perfect time or a more advantageous situation? Are you letting fear stop you from moving forward? Pick a date. Now, what I just shared with you was a story based on my story theater method. Yes. There is a methodology to how you tell a story. Where did I learn this? I learned it doing Shakespeare. I learned it doing theater, good theater, because I've done good theater and bad theater. But what I didn't realize when I was an actor, when I was living inside of a play, because that's a concept that I want you to understand. If you're an actor and you've been cast in a play, every night that you go to the theater, you're basically living inside that play with the other actors. You have your scenes, they have their scenes, you have your entrance, you have your exits. But what happens backstage is you get to listen and feel how this play is working with the audience out there. And you get to hear night after night the same lines in the same sequence, the same places where people always laugh, the same places where you can hear a pin drop. And I started to have an appreciation without really understanding that I was studying it. I started to have an appreciation for form, for sequence, for dialogue, for structure, for entrance and exits. For the theatricality, the, the volume, the language, the way that you perform the character. And many years later, after I'd gone to Hollywood and I'd spent 13 years in Hollywood, because very quickly, I spent 13 years in Hollywood and obviously I didn't make it. It didn't work. I didn't do a lot of acting in movies and TV. I did theater out there. I got an agent. I got some auditions for TV shows and movies. And I got some little bit parts like one-liners, but... I never made it. And at a certain point, I had to leave Hollywood. I had to pick a date and get out because my soul was in danger. I think I told you that in my little bio. My soul was in danger. I had lost my joy, my dream of being an actor and making people laugh and making people feel good had devolved into this frustration and this anger with the fact that I had devoted 16 years of my life and it wasn't working. It was like a bad marriage. Anybody who's ever been in a really bad marriage for a long time and then finally has to admit, I need to have a divorce. I had to have a divorce from Hollywood and from my dream. And I picked a date and I left. And then I got into real estate and I started speaking and I started to find myself at the front of the room. And I started telling stories in my little speeches that I was doing. And people started to really respond to my stories. And an interesting thing happened one night in Colorado Springs, where I ended up. I ended up in Colorado Springs, Colorado, because when I left L.A., I didn't even have a destination. I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what I was going to do next. I just knew I had to leave. So pick a date. If you're in a bad relationship, pick a date and this leave. You don't have to know what's going to happen. So there I was in Colorado Springs one night, and I decided to tell a story in front of an audience at the Pikes Peak Library, a story that I had told many times in Los Angeles in stand-up comedy clubs. Hmm. And this was a story about going streaking and getting arrested naked in Westwood, outside of UCLA. Now, 
I was in an avant-garde theater company in Los Angeles. We did all kinds of crazy stuff. And one night, the director came out and he said, tonight, you're going to do outer theater. I want you to leave the theater with a partner and do something you would never do, something that's outside your comfort zone. And so my partner and I decided to go streaking because that was way outside of my comfort zone. We did this. We went streaking, but we ended up getting arrested naked. Cops intervened and stopped us and arrested us naked. And we got taken to the police station in our underwear and handcuffs. And it was like so traumatic. But the next morning when I woke up, I thought, everybody's been telling me I should do stand-up, but I never had any material. I think I now have some material because that could be a funny story. I went to five different comedy clubs and I told a story and I never got a laugh because I didn't know how to tell my story. I just stood still and I told it like it was a fact. This one night in Colorado Springs, I'm giving a presentation in front of about 45 people. And without even thinking about it, I said, hey, you guys want to hear a funny story, funny Hollywood story? And they're all like, oh, yeah, sure. And I just started telling this streaking story. But instead of standing still, I performed it. I acted out, getting into the back of the Volkswagen bus and getting undressed and getting naked down to my shoes. I acted out, jumping out of the van and running down the street. Here I come, here I come. And I'm running and I'm acting out, running down the street past the movie theater line and freaking out and screaming and yelling and getting arrested naked and getting handcuffed naked. I'm acting all this out. I'm acting it out. The people listening to my story, watching me tell this story, were laughing so hard that tears were coming down their faces. It was, it, the laughter was so loud, it was freaking me out because I had told this story before and I'd never gotten a laugh. That night as I was driving home, I had to sit there and ask myself, what just happened? That's the same story. What just happened? And as I analyzed it, I realized in L.A., I just stood still and told the story like it was a fact without embellishment, without volume, without physicality, without acting it out with any of the joy and, and, and the freedom that I shared the story with in Colorado Springs. And that was the beginning of the story theater method, hmm. because the story theater method is a methodology where you not only craft the story. You deliberately craft the story. You ask yourself, what's the first line, the second line, the third line? How does it move forward? What are the scenes? What is the sequence? But then you act out parts of the story. You act it out. You don't tell it like it's past tense. You don't describe it like it's past tense, which is what I did in Los Angeles. I told the stories if it happened yesterday. When became, I did it in Colorado You became Springs, your own screenwriter, didn't you? Yes, I became my own screenwriter, my own playwright. <laughs> but when I performed it, I wasn't talking about something that happened back then. I was now. streaking. Yes. <laughs> I went streaking right there in front of those people. They felt like they were watching me streak in front of the, a bunch of people in a movie theater line. They saw me getting arrested naked. They were engaged. They were involved. And I realized, oh, that's the theater. When I was an actor, I didn't just deliver lines. I acted the lines. I breathed life into the lines. I became the character. I became Doug Stevenson going streaking. 
And that was the beginning of the story theater method. Fast forward, I I ended up joining the National Speakers Association where you and I met. I went to the the Colorado uh, meeting up in Denver and I did a showcase where I told the story, uh, the streaking story. And people came up to me afterward and they were like, what is that? I have never seen anybody do something like that. What is that? We tell stories, but I've never seen anybody do that. Is that theater? Is that acting? Well, they had all of this energy around what I had just done. I just walked into a room full of professional speakers and they're coming to me as if I'm the expert. And they started to ask me, could you teach us how to do that? So I did a workshop, a story theater workshop, and people flocked to it. And then I did another one. And another one is, oh my God, this thing caught fire. This thing was amazing. It's like people were doing, and every time that I coached someone, I learned something else about the methodology that I was developing. Because I didn't start out with this. I started out coaching one person. And by the time I was done coaching that person, and then coaching another person and coaching another person, I started to develop these techniques that were the story theater method. And over a couple of years, it's like, I've got language, I've got methodology, I've got technique. I'm teaching people the nine steps of story structure, how to make the point with a phrase that pays, how to act it out, how to know when to go in and act and when to just narrate. The the whole thing just became this amazing thing that became my life. And at the time that I was a professional speaker doing keynote speeches on the positive power of change, along came story theater. And I transitioned. Once again, you say, what are the transitions? What are those places in your life where something shifts? I had to pick a date, once again, where I was no longer going to go on the road. As a keynote speaker doing the positive power of change, I was going to start turning those down in favor of doing story theater workshops and coaching other speakers and speaking and training on storytelling in business. Story Theater Method took me all over the world. Positive power of change was good. It was fine. But it was a commodity. It was something that anybody could do. And I did it uniquely. I told my streaking story and I got booked a lot. But it wasn't like Story Theater Method, which was mine. It was unique to me. So one of the things I want to share with your listeners is there's something organic inside of you that no one else has. Now, yes, it's your story, but it's also that passion, that dream inside of you that when you pursue it, it might not work out the way you think. Because I thought I was going to be an actor in Hollywood. I thought I was going to be a movie star. Obviously, it didn't happen that way. But as you're listening to me talking about acting in my stories, just repurposed. Yes, I love that you took it from your own, not even knowing your own plan, but you have given so many. I I just I want to just point out some things to our listeners right now. Doug has been giving you so many tips. If you are standing like we ask on the corner of lost and your GPS is broken and you don't know which way to go, you don't always have to know. He said get a date that you're going to do something and start doing it, even if it isn't the big plan. His big first plan was to get $1,000 and buy a car from his dad. 
So it just means we have to keep moving forward. And I love all these things that he said. I got around a woman that said, when are you going to do it, Doug? So get around people that encourage you. Is that right, Doug? Another thing. And then another point that he brought out is look at yourself because he looked at himself a lot and said, I'm not happy here. And if you're not, maybe move on. Or if you didn't get it, it probably wasn't the right thing. So start something, start something he, he's saying. And I really like this, pick a date and get over the fear. I know this is a big thing with a lot of my clients, just like I had somebody call the other day who has not driven, her husband basically drove every place they went. And so he's passed over now. And she said, you know what? I'm afraid to drive to any place anymore that's more than 50 miles. We all create that comfort zone and we don't want to step out of it. And Doug has taken corporations, some of the major, I don't know if I mentioned these, Google, NBC, these are leaders that he has helped them move from being what we call a leader to an effective leader and not just a title in major companies. What were some others? Pfizer, Lockheed Martin, Wells Fargo Banks. He has done this all over. So the storytelling, and here's what something else he said, and I just got to say something. And Doug, you, you correct me if these are not the right kind of things. You, with your storytelling, your method, is about entertainment, engagement, and inspiration. I don't know about, I'm saying my audience is probably saying, shut up, Patricia, and let Doug say more. Because what were some of the real feelings within you? I think you've covered most of this. But the the wake-up kind of moments that you said, hello, Doug. This is not the right place. And I think you covered a lot of those. but. Anything else that life changes and things like that, you've covered almost everything that I was hoping to get from you. But I really, uh, the story method, I like the way that you've put that out. You also move locations. How did that impact your life? You moved from Chicago to LA and seeing who you are. One of the things that I think people get stuck in is the fear of the unknown. Yes. And that has never been a problem for me because leaving Chicago was hard because that's my home. That's my friends. That's my family. I know the streets. I know everything about it. I am comfortable here. I have never been comfortable being comfortable. It's uncomfortable ah. for me to be comfortable. And so hitchhiking to Los Angeles, while it was petrifying, was more life fulfilling than staying stuck. I knew I couldn't achieve what I wanted in Chicago. I couldn't make a living there. There was no way to make a living in Chicago unless you were a model. Look at me. I'm not a model. I'm not going to make it that way. I had a couple of voiceovers. But in Los Angeles, oh, that's where my dream could evolve. I got to Los Angeles and oh my gosh, a 19, I was 22 when I got there. I had practically no money and miracles started to happen. I hitchhiked into Los Angeles. 
I didn't know what I was going to do once I got there. I did not know anyone once I got there. And this is one of the greatest lessons that I learned in hitchhiking. People would pick me up and they would take me a little bit further along down the line and I would get closer to my dream. People would pick me up and drop me off and people would pick me up and drop me. It was a miraculous experience, hitchhiking. That alone taught me that life works. You just have to put yourself out there. Life works. I got to Los Angeles. And I was sticking out my thumb to go hitchhike to look at an apartment, to share an apartment with a bunch of college students. And this guy in a 59 Chevy sees me standing on the street in Westwood, and he pulls up to me, and this is in the middle of the summer, and he says, what are you doing? He looks across the car, opens the window, the passenger side window is open. He says, what are you doing? You cannot hitchhike in Los Angeles. Get in the car. Get in the car. And he's like trying to save me from getting arrested. Within eight minutes, about eight minutes, we went from where he picked me up to where he was supposed to drop me off. In that eight minutes, I found a friend. Yes. And he recognized that I was someone that he wanted to help. And he said, you don't want to go look at that apartment, do you? And I said, no. And he says, Come on, I'm going to take you home. I've got a friend who's looking for a, a roommate. I'll I'll introduce you to him. And bingo. I had my first ally, my first friend. And, and the reason I'm sharing this is to give people the courage to yes. step out and pursue that whatever, knowing you don't have to know how. You don't have to know who. You don't have to live in this fear of the unknown because the unknown is filled with miracles and allies and angels. And Gordon Nelson was my first angel. And he introduced me to somebody and they introduced me to somebody and they introduced me to somebody and this happened and that happened. And it was just the whole Los Angeles thing. It started out as this joyful exploration of newness, spiritually geographically, everything about it was just so new and fresh. And over the 13 years, it was probably about eight really exciting years. And then it went downhill because I started to get really mad that I hadn't made it. And I lost my joy. And I said my soul was in danger. It's like, I realized at a certain point I had to get out. And the reason I had to get out is because I had lost my joy. My my dream had no longer become, I want to make people laugh. It become, I need a TV series. I need a commercial. I need to get seen. I need to make money. Why am I not making? And I started to resent everybody and everything. But you need to move away from pain and towards joy in your life. And, and I have experienced so much pain, so many heartbreaking relationships. It was soul crushing that I didn't make it in Hollywood. Mm. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. It was just so, the, the the amount of success I had making money in Hollywood was so paltry that it was embarrassing to my Doug, own self. It, isn't it something that sometimes the obstacles or the pain that we have actually leads us in another direction? Because yeah. sometimes we don't want that. You, you mentioned you want everything to to work and you get all caught up like this and uh, upset because it's not. But sometimes what looks like disaster actually is a good 
push toward the another direction. One thing that I really, I, I love what you're saying, and you said about the thumb, got, getting a, a hitchhiking. In our society today, so I wanted to take this to today, if we could. How does this, your story, method, how can this inspire our society today? Not only in business, but Doug, you're talking about spiritual stuff. There are a lot of people lost in our world today. Absolutely lost. They don't know where they fit in. They don't know what they're going to do next. What would you say to those people um, and your storyboard or your storytelling method? How does this make a shift in our society because it is needed in big time? There's there's two levels going on. One is one is philosophical of just get out of the house, experience life, take risks, take chances, go meet people, go ask for help, move from pain to joy, walk away from toxic relationships. That's just on the life lessons that I learned is like you just have to go. You just got to give it a shot and you might fall on your face as I have hundreds of times, I have been rejected thousands of times as an actor, as a speaker, as a realtor. I have been rejected thousands of times. That can be soul crushing if you believe that you have to win everything. Yes, this is interesting that you're saying about the crushing and you've been, I had a young man that called me earlier this week. He got let go from a company. And he has been looking for a position now for five months and hasn't gotten anything. And I, so I said, uh, what do you want? How can I help you? And he said, could you get me a resume? We think these things are fixes. And I said to him as a coach, I said, I want to say something and you're not going to like it. And you may not hire me as a coach. But what you are just saying, Doug, is exactly what I said to him. I said, I'm glad you lost your job. Because now you're going to find yourself. Yes, I agree. You said I got many turned down. And look what it did. It projected you or trajected you toward your book. Your Yeah. I, I think that sometimes we don't want to hear that there are those kind of things we have to go through in life. And uh, you can't, you can't avoid pain. You can't avoid yeah failure. You can't avoid mistakes. People try to play it safe so that they won't get hurt. And by playing it safe, you hurt yourself. You, you don't get to experience the joy, the highs. I'm a kamikaze person. I've always been very, a little bit too self-destructive, I would say. In my choices, a little bit too harsh with things. And as I started this out, I said, I'm at this period of reflection where I look back and say, what was driving some of those choices? And one of the things that I've realized is I've got to pay attention to my patterns. What are the patterns of behavior that I have seen myself engage in over and over again? Which patterns hurt me? Which patterns helped me? And it takes a while to start to be able to look back with compassion, self-compassion and, and patience and say, wow, I did some really strange stuff. 
I, I self-sabotaged myself a number of times along the way. Do I need to keep doing that? Or can I change? Can I make a new pattern? And it happened to me in relationships. It happened to me with a lot of the choices that I made in Hollywood where I refused to accept help. I had people who wanted to help me or introduce me to somebody. And they said, no, no, I have to do it myself. <laughs> you don't get by in Hollywood without anybody helping you. You have to have as much help as you possibly can. Well, in life, in, in life. life, it's life. It's, it's, you, you need to seek out people. You need to listen to people. You need to ask for help. You need to do all of these kinds of things that are uncomfortable. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I look back and I think I'm the oddball because I did ask for help. I did go out. I got an agent in Los Angeles by getting up in the morning, getting a list of agents and literally getting in my car, driving, getting out of my car and walking into an agent's office and say, hi, I'm Doug Stevenson. I'm an actor and I'm looking for an agent. And and 20 out of 21 would say, do you have an appointment? And I'd say, no. i say, do you have a rec referral? And I'd say, no. And there are a million others what? looking for an agent too, Doug. Yeah, and, but most of them would just say, no, I'm sorry. We don't, we're not interested. Go away. I walked into one office, a very small agent, just an agent and a secretary. But he was a Hollywood agent. And I walked in and I said the same thing. And he says, oh. The secretary like turned and she said, hey, David, you want to talk to an actor? David said, yeah, I got a minute. And I went and I sat down and I walked out and I had an agent. How, how do you move forward in life? You get out of the house. Yeah. You go. You ask. You, yeah. You uh, Are you going to get rejected? Yeah. Yeah. And this guy who's looking for a job. He's probably looking for it online. Get in the car and go to an office and walk in and get be bold. That is exactly, sometimes it just takes, relationships is everything, isn't it, Doug? Relationships, but boldness as well. People respect boldness. Yes. That's how I got both of the agents in Los Angeles. That's how I got into acting classes. That's how I made relationships. Boldness asking for what I wanted. When I was in real estate, I didn't do things the way other people did. I did things differently and I became successful. Mm -hmm. And speaking actually helped me in real estate. So if you ask me, how does the story theater method and how does storytelling help you in life? Stand at the front of the room, give presentations, give speeches. You don't even need to know what you're doing. Just get up there and learn on your feet. So many people are petrified of speaking. The first speech I gave in real estate, I couldn't breathe. I literally couldn't breathe. I just, I was petrified to give my first speech in real estate, but I got better and better. And then all of a sudden there I am making a living as a professional speaker all over the world. You learn by doing. Exactly. And the good thing is we may not always have a plan to be a speaker, but we start telling our story or we start getting ourselves out there just saying one or two things. Hey, this guy is funny. Why don't we bring him in? <laughs> Somebody else hear you. Oh, you just said something that I think is very important, too. I ask about this society that we're in today, and most people don't know who they are. Now, that's okay, but you're never going to discover just getting online and only putting your name on there and some kind of social thing. That's one way to at least get out there. But that's what Hello Self is about. It's looking at our spiritual, our emotional, our physical, and our mental self. Because our mental self is not always in alignment with our 
emotional and heart self. And yes, and it will say, you couldn't do that, Doug. What makes you think you could do that? Or Patricia, you couldn't. So I think that we have to look at all. Doug, I have to say something that I just did recently, and I think you'll relate to it. Someone called me to do a spoken word presentation or performance, and I had 10 minutes. And so it was the name of her event is called Never Sent. So what I did is I wrote a letter to Patricia Leonard, me. <laughs> and um, I talked about the moments that Patricia didn't support me and the moments that she did and the moments because it's a way to get to know Hello Self. So here's what I did. They had a microphone and a tall stool. That's all we had. And so I got up on the stool and I had written this letter in all kind on the pages, just written it out on pages of paper. And I started reading that. And I said, I'm sending, a, I've written this letter and I've never sent it, but I am tonight. I'm going to read it to the person I wrote it to. And so I started, yeah, I started talking to Patricia. And when I finished that one sheet, I would let it fall to the floor. And when I finished the second sheet, but I was talking to her, not the audience. I was talking to her. And I'm not kidding you. This man and his wife stood up and said, what is your name again? That is. But you know what? It's another way of story theater. Because I was looking at the times that I haven't supported myself at the mental even though my heart said this, yeah. So I love, I'm just in love with you again and what you do because I think it is exactly what people are needing now. And I hope someday I can afford to have you come to Nashville again in my new show that I've got because that's exactly what we need as a world is. So what other kind of things have you got planned for your future? around story theater or anything in life what are the other things and then i want to tell it want that you to tell them a little bit about your podcast the podcast is the next thing up for us to talk about because i am retired from speaking on the road okay i decided at a certain point i've had enough of airplanes and airports and shuttle buses and hotels and i've done enough of that i don't want or need to do that anymore it's too hard on my body yes it's a transition that I just felt that I needed to make. And sitting in that void after I left the road, and it coincided with COVID as well, because COVID happened. And I didn't have a choice. I couldn't go on the road because everything got canceled. And so as I was sitting there in this void, this space of now, what do I do with my life? I had heard about podcasts and I thought about podcasts and I'd listened to podcasts and I thought I'll, I'll transform repurpose my story theater methodology and the things that I teach in my coaching, the things that I teach in my workshops, the things that I teach to people when I would do corporate training and keynotes, I'll start to put them into podcasts. And so for those listening to this that would like to learn more about speaking and storytelling and the story theater methodology and all that, the storytelling that sticks for business and life podcast is a great way to start to understand, but how would I share my story? Because a lot of people have a story to tell. We all have a story to tell. Oh, yes. 
the problem for a lot of people is, yeah, I have a story to tell. I just don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to tell it. And they feel like if I don't have any in, instructions on how to tell a story, if I don't have any format, if I just get up and tell it, it could go off in all kinds of tangents. It could be a mess. I could embarrass myself by telling my story because I don't know what I'm doing. And so storytelling is the most powerful thing you could do at the front yes. of the room yes. if you know what you're doing, if you are strategic and deliberate about what is the role, what is the purpose of my story? I told you my story about pick a date. I told you my story about my dream of being an actor and wanting to go to Hollywood and had all these obstacles and challenges and my fear and my grand plan. And I wanted everything to be perfect. And my friend telling me to pick a date. That's a little piece of theater. That's a very deliberate story. But whenever I start telling a story, I'm asking myself, what is the reason that I'm telling the story? What is the application for my listener? The application is pick a date. Yes. What did I learn? I learned that you need to pick a date. Otherwise, you just keep saying, someday I'm going to, someday I'm going to, someday I'm going to, someday is not a date. And so by knowing what I want to do with a story, going back to my roots in Shakespeare and in, in the plays that I did where I would actually, I didn't know I was doing it, but I was studying. Yes. Subliminally studying. Why does this work? Why does this work and that doesn't work? Why does comedy work the way it works? And why do you get a laugh and don't get a laugh? So the podcast, Storytelling That Sticks, has been life-giving for me because it gives me something that I can focus on because my agenda in life is to help. Yes. My agenda in life is I I wanted to be an actor because I wanted to make people feel good. Yes. And the reason I had to leave Hollywood is I had lost the desire to make people feel good. And it was all about me getting money. And it's you know, that that's that that was not my soul's purpose. My soul's purpose is to help people feel good because people are in pain. My life goal is still to help people feel good, but it's to help. It's to help you tell your story. It's to help people find their purpose in life. It's to help people pick a date so that it can move forward is to help people get out of toxic jobs and toxic yes. relationships. My job is through my stories and my philosophies and the lessons I've Amen. learned to help people Amen. move forward because I have achieved amazing success. I've spoken in 18 countries. I've been hired by people and they flew me they flew me business class all over the world to speak and it was like Really? People are going to pay me to speak in Amsterdam and Kuala Lumpur and in London and and, and uh, Spain? What? But this you is- had the right reason, the right mission. It's it to help others. Yeah. Miracles can happen if you allow yourself to evolve. Yep. If you allow yourself to fail and st- get back up and repurpose and fail and get back up and repurpose. I'm married to the most wonderful woman in the world, Deborah. Amen. Everybody who comes in contact with my office goes through Deborah, and everybody says, "Oh my God, can I marry Deborah?" Yeah. Deborah. <laughs> Amen. Just, how did I get to be with Deborah? Because I screwed up so many other relationships and learned from them. You learn, you move on, you improve. You learn, you move on, you improve. You fail, you get up, you move on. That's the lesson of my life. 
And at the end of your days, you will remember it all. And some of it you will cringe for. Yeah. Some of it will just make you cringe. There are memories that I have where I literally am sitting at the kitchen table and I have a memory of something. I go, oh. <laughs> Oh, I, actually, oh I literally, I have an emotional reaction, a physical reaction. Did I do that? And then I have to go, Dallas, let's focus on all the cool things that have happened. Yes. All the successes. Let's look at what's, look at the result of all that. Yes. We can and, go and back so, to the past and sometimes it does not serve us. <laughs> well, the past sometimes is a great place does. to visit, but I don't want to live there. No. I, I, I just look at my life now speaking to you. We met 15 years ago. Yes. At least. I've been to Nashville speaking in Nashville you know, 10 times, many times being hired by clients, sometimes with NSA and the speakers groups. And it's I, I look at that as, boy, when I was trying to be an actor in Hollywood, I could not have imagined that I'd be speaking all over the world. That would be my life, that I'd be teaching storytelling. It's, wow, allow your life to define itself for you. And I'm telling you, storytelling is the way. If in corporate America, I've used the same thing. Doug taught me who I really was because nobody in my neck of the woods really was big about the arts or anything like that. And they didn't even know that they believed in storytelling. But what I found out is after I attended his, there's no stopping with the arts in corporate America, in coaching, in, in podcasting, anything you do. People are looking for how do I get the next phase of my life? How can I learn from Doug? And I love the, the your story. I go to your podcast. I don't always contact you and Deborah every time, but you are the reason that I am now a storyteller in, and have done it in corporate America and very successful in it. I used it in a company in Memphis, Cell Genesis, and we had to make a presentation to four VPs from San Rafael, California. They were the parent company. And we did it in a story. I put them in the story. And they all played their role in the story. Do you know that company then invite? Yes, they loved it. And then that company invited this small 25 people. They were cancer cell study for Vanderbilt. They took those people from that small plant here in Memphis and took them out to California to teach what they had learned out in California. I didn't go. They went because they had been so impactful, four vice presidents, and they all had tears in their eyes. So what Doug is telling you is so impactful. So to step out. Don't worry about the GPS. Reroute it if you have to hold a GPS. Just reroute it and to say, take me where you want to take me, because I think that's very important. I would suggest getting on his podcast. I would suggest buying his books. And I can tell you that will change the trajectory of your personal life. Yeah, there you go, Doug. And your professional life. Because this is a wake up about who we are. Hello, self. And this is a shifting time in our society to do that. 
on the website, when we post this podcast, we will have all these connections to Doug, to his book, to his uh, podcast, to whatever he has shared with us so that you can learn. And don't just listen to one. Go in there and really be a study of his storytelling because I'm telling you, it will change everything, even your parenting. Doug, wouldn't you say you're a grandparent? I am a grandparent now, and it helps in every aspect of life, but certainly it will drive your business and your career forward and allow you to be of service in the world. Yes, and even love yourself more. Doug, is there anything you'd like to say in just wrapping up as we leave to say to my audience anything? I think when I saw the title of your podcast, Hello Self, what it says to me is that we need to say hello to ourselves. We need to investigate ourselves. We really need to look in the mirror and look into our heart and soul and ask ourselves, uh, what do I want to accomplish in life? How can I be of service in life? And are these relationships that I'm in? Are these jobs that I'm in? Are these choices that I make? allowing me to move forward and be of service and help others? Or are they holding me back? Am I stuck? And as you said, you use the GPS metaphor. I put into the GPS Hollywood and I went for it. But at a certain point, I had to like erase that GPS destination, put in a new destination. Yes, reroute. And, and <laughs> you just keep finding a new way to move forward. So I love the idea of hello self, because I said, I'm in a a lot of reflection at this point. And it's the reflection that has allowed me to bring wisdom to my listeners and to you and your listeners. And only by self-reflection and self-love do we get there. So thank you for the opportunity to share myself and my wisdom and my stories with your listeners. And thank you for your brilliance and your heart and soul for sharing yourself with your listeners. It's been a pleasure. The pleasure is all mine, but thank you. I am so grateful that in your busy life and everything that you've got going, that you would take the time out and be willing to share because I'm telling you, I'm re-energized just from you telling your story again and, and getting to see you. So I'm excited. Everybody get on the podcast when it's posted and get the book. And get on his podcast because Doug will give you insight into yourself that you may never have experienced before. And just remember, this is the Hello Self podcast and we're signing out. I am your host, Patricia Leonard. And as I always say to you before we sign out, keep dreaming and keep living your dream. Thank you for joining Hello Self today, and may it offer insight and inspire you to stay on your runway to success. Like, share, and subscribe, and remember this, keep dreaming.